Opening our Bibles to Revelation chapter 12, today we learn how God will protect His people, the apple of His eye. Here's Pastor Phil with our study. And uh, Daniel says, uh, at that time Micah will stand up, the great prince, who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was, since there was a nation, even to that time, and at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. This coincides with what Jesus said in Matthew 24 about this last half of the tribulation period, what we call the Great Tribulation. He said there's, there's never been a time like it since the foundation of the world, nor will there ever be a time like it after that point in the way of tribulation and just horrific things that are going to take place. So this is going to be a very... Very difficult time for the people of this earth. And Michael here stands up. Michael's name means who is like God. And he's fighting against the one who said, I will be like the Most High. And here, as we read in verse 8, as Michael and his angels fought against the devil and his angels, verse 8 says they did not prevail, the devil and his angels, that is, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. You know, the people of this world often make a very grave mistake. They try to say, or they, or they feel that God and Satan are counterparts, you know? That Satan is the adversary of God, and they're kind of like equal spiritual entities that kind of fight it out. Nothing could be farther from the truth. God is the creator. Satan is part of the creation. If you want to find somebody that's a counterpart of the devil, it's probably Michael the archangel. Michael and Lucifer are probably pretty evenly matched in power. And here they fight it out. Now, the devil, five times in Isaiah 14, said, I will be like the Most High. I don't want to be number two in heaven. I want to be God. And here he can't even fight against Michael and win. All right? You know, people think that Satan is the ruler of hell. Satan is not the ruler of hell. Satan's not even in hell right now. When Satan gets cast into hell, he'll be tormented like everybody else, and probably more so than anyone else. The Bible says that the devil is the god of this world. And he roams around the earth causing all kinds of problems. Remember in the book of Job? And he has access to heaven, by the way, which we're going to find out in a moment. It's not going to be forever. But right now he has access to heaven. And he appears before God quite often to report and to accuse us who are the people of God. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But in the book of Job, of course, it says the sons of God, the angels, appeared before the Lord one day, and, and the devil appeared with them. And God said to the devil, where have you been? As if God didn't know. 
the devil said, well, I've been going to and fro, back and forth, cruising around the earth, you know. He, he's not omnipresent like God. God's omnipresent. God is everywhere at once. The devil is not omnipresent, but he gets around pretty well. And he keeps track of things pretty well, too. He's got his demons in place over kingdoms and nations. And they report to him, and they coordinate their dirty work and so on. But right now, the devil has access to heaven. And what he does there primarily is he accuses believers before God. Well, verse 9 says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. It's interesting, verse 9 gives us all the most, not only familiar, but the most important names for the devil here. He is described, first of all, as the great dragon, which is a term that applies not only to him personally, but to the empire that he is going to dominate in the end times. He's referred to that old serpent, which is a reference, of course, to the Garden of Eden, where he tempted Eve and all the trouble for mankind began. He's also called the devil. That comes from the Greek word diabolos, and it means basically one who slanders. One who slanders. And the word Satan comes from a Hebrew word that means adversary. So these are all the primary titles of the devil. He is a serpent. He started out as a serpent, as we've already said. By the time we come to Revelation and the final word, world kingdom, he's called the dragon. Now, I think that's significant. Because in the beginning, the devil used stealth. You know how a serpent kind of, you know, it's very, you know, it's, it, it works through stealth and it's, works under the cover of night, and it, before you know it, it's on you. And it, you know, where in the beginning, Satan used stealth to promote his deception. We have seen in the last couple of decades, he's not using stealth anymore. I mean, he's, come, he's in your face more and more now. There was a time, and I experienced this personally myself, there was a time years ago when you went into a bookstore and you went to find the occult section, it was a little, and I experienced this, walked into a bookstore looking for something in the occult for a message I was doing, and I had to go all the way in the back of the bookstore. There was one little shelf, you know, one little bookcase with a few titles. You walk into any bookstore today, you will find entire sections on the occult and the New Age movement. It's big business. The word occult means hidden. It's not hidden anymore. It's in your face. And by the time we come to this period of history, which we are rapidly approaching, the devil doesn't have to deceive anymore because, as the Bible says, woe unto those people that call evil good and good evil. Well, in this period of time coming, it's going to be the ultimate fulfillment of that mindset. We're going to see people calling evil and uh, evil good and good evil so much that they're going to worship the dragon and the Antichrist and the false prophet and anyone who worships the true God and his son and the Holy Spirit will be looked upon as the devil worshipers today. It's going to be an interesting period of time. But anyways, verse 9 says, So the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Now, we have talked about this in the past, how that the devil... You know, and the spirit of Antichrist is already around, the Bible tells us. The world is already being prepared for the ultimate deception that's coming. 
And here's the thing. We've talked about, well, how could it be that the people of this world would worship the dragon? How is that possible? I don't, I can't get my mind around that. I'm, he is a dragon, and his deception is going to be pretty much in your face then. But I'm not saying he's not going to still masquerade as an angel of light. He's going to convince the world he's the good guy. And those who follow the true God, they're the problem. Now, when we get into chapter 13, I'm going to devote an evening, because once we get into the 13, we see this character taking power and killing all those who refuse to take his mark and so on. I'm going to give an evening, I want to take an evening, and I want to look at what's going on today. I've already been collecting articles, been reading uh, books on the subject, uh, how that there's a mindset in play today that is gaining momentum. It's a mindset that is uniting all the people of this world, those who don't know the Lord, and how they're going to justify killing the true people of God, who they don't think are the true people of God, but how the people during this period of time who are believers are going to be killed by the people of the world who are not going to think anything of it, who are going to think they're doing these people a favor because they're so deceived. And we'll see how even right now we see it taking place. So we'll save that once we get into the 13 and maybe at the end there we'll just take an evening and look at some of these things. I think you'll be shocked. Uh, at what's going on today and how many people are jumping on the bandwagon of this deception. Even people who claim to be Christians, many of them, are right up there at the forefront. Back to Revelation 12. It says, The great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, the devil Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them day, excuse me, who accused them before God day and night has been cast out. There you get an idea of what's going on right now because Satan is not going to be cast out of heaven until the midpoint of the tribulation period. So right now, of course, he still has access to heaven, which means right now the thing he does most when he stands before the Lord is to accuse all of us, to accuse us to God. He wants to give God justification for why we deserve to go to hell with him. But today we have an advocate. We have an intercessor. 1 John 2.1 John says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. The word advocate there in the Greek, it means uh, an attorney for the defense. An attorney for the defense. Every time the devil tries to accuse us to the Father, Jesus steps forward on our behalf. And he says, Father, don't even listen to that. I've already taken care of it. It's already been paid for by my blood. And that's why the writer to the Hebrews says, and listen to this verse carefully. Chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost, all the way to the end. Okay? 
You get saved, and Jesus is able to take you all the way to glory. That's the idea. He's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. And the idea is because Jesus Christ is our great high priest who now that he has died and risen from the dead, he will never die again. Therefore, he remains a high priest forever. And every time the devil accuses us, us, that he intercedes for us. So the blood of God's son continually is cleansing us from all unrighteousness, what the Bible says, right? Now, if we blow it, the Bible says, confess your sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins. John said, look, I, I, want, I don't want you to sin, but if you do sin, and it's inevitable probably, we have an advocate with the Father. And what we need to do is confess those sins to God, ask for forgiveness, and God will forgive us, but know this positionally, you are constantly being cleansed by the blood of Christ. So it's a constant thing, you know. He has perfected you and I forever, even though we're in these bodies, and even though we still blow it, and even though that's what sanctification is all about, a lifelong process that makes us more and more into the image of Christ as we live in this earth and submit to the Holy Spirit. Yet in God's eyes, positionally, we are absolutely perfect. And because Jesus saved us, as we put our faith in him, he's able to keep us all the way to glory. And that's what Paul said in Romans 8. Those that he predestined, right? He called. Those that he called, he justified. Those that he justified, he what? He glorified. Well, we were predestined, we were called, and we are justified if you're a believer in Christ tonight. We haven't been glorified yet, but it's a done deal. There are no Christians who slip through the cracks, who fall through the cracks and are lost once they're saved. All right, verse 11. Satan accuses the brethren day and night before God. He's been cast out. And they overcame him. They overcame Satan. Well, who is it talking about primarily in chapter 12? It's talking about tribulation saints, not about the church. The church is gone. The church is in heaven. The church has been raptured, all right, uh, years ago. He's talking about those believers alive now on the earth, you know, when the Antichrist sets up his image in the Holy of Holies when Satan gets kicked out of heaven and comes to the earth with great wrath and causes all kinds of trouble for the people of this world, especially believers at that time. But these folks are going to overcome him in three ways, using three things. But before we look at that, I want you to notice that as we study those three things, none of them have to do with binding and loosing. None of them have to do with throwing around Christian incantations. You know, Christians today have gotten a hold of so much bad teaching that they've been brainwashed many times. I can't tell you how many Christians think the way to conquer over the devil in their life is to throw around these little Christian catchphrases. I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Well, if you can do that, why do you let him out? I mean, if we could bind the devil... How does he keep getting loose? (laughs) See, these are a misinterpretation of various scriptures. You know, when the devil came attacking Paul, he didn't say, I bind you, Satan. I plead the blood over my life and so on. 
He said, I prayed three times the Lord would take it away from me, and he chose not to. And I'm going to glory in my infirmities because when I'm weak, I'm strong, and God is going to get the glory. And But Paul didn't throw around those little catchphrases. Those are nothing more than Christian incantations. When you use a little mantra and throw it around, is that that's somehow going to bind the devil? Jesus Christ has already bound the devil. You know that? He said that you can't plunder a strong man's house until you first bind the strong man. On Calvary's cross, Jesus bound the strong man. Jesus bound the devil. In the sense that the victory is ours. I'm not saying he's bound in the sense that he never hassles us, never oppresses us. The idea, though, is that we have the opportunity now to plunder his kingdom because Jesus Christ, through his blood, has vanquished principalities and powers, right? He says, I'm giving you the authority now over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. Go into all the world and preach the good news. It doesn't mean you won't be persecuted. It doesn't mean some of you may not lose your lives. But in the end, the kingdom of God is going to be victorious. But these folks overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and that they did not love their lives to the death. First of all, they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb. Look, you know, how you, you know what that means? Once you apply the blood of the Lamb to your life, once you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and His blood is applied to your account, which means all your sins are washed away, right? Where He takes the blood of Christ and basically stamps on your ledger of all the sins you've ever committed and ever will commit, paid in full. Remember what Paul said in Colossians 2? He has nailed all of our transgressions to his cross and has taken them what? Out of the way. Forgiven us for all of our sins. So how can the devil accuse us if our sins are already taken care of? Is the idea. The devil, can, can, can he can accuse us if he wants to. But there's no basis for it because our account has been paid in full. The devil tries to say, God, they owe you. They owe you. They're blowing it. They're sinning. See, in the Jewish mind, every sin was a debt that they owed God. So the devil steps forward and says, God, look at your servant, Phil. Look at what he does. Look at how he blows it. He owes you, God. He owes you a debt. And Jesus steps forward and says, no, he doesn't. I've already taken care of it. I've already washed those sins clean, all of them. So they overcame him, first of all, or they will overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb. Secondly, by the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony. These people are going to be so committed to God during this period of time. Don't forget now. There'll be no luxuries. There'll be no you know, vacations. There'll be no... Uh, fancy cars and nice houses. We're talking about a time when true believers are going to be hunted and persecuted and tortured and killed. There is nothing in the world at this time that they're going to be entangled in. You know what I'm saying? No distractions like we have. They're going to be so focused on their mission. It's like our brothers and sisters in India. We support many of the uh, missionaries over there, the indigenous uh, missionaries, you know, when they are going to enter into a city to preach the gospel, they first dig a grave because they recognize that 
there's a good possibility they're going to be killed. But they're willing to die because the message, the testimony of Jesus is more important than anything this world has to offer, even life itself. So they're going to be so committed to the Lord at this time, so focused on their ministry, which is to, to preach the gospel. That's the testimony that we're talking about. The word of their testimony is the testimony of Jesus, which we're going to see in verse 17. It's the gospel. And verse uh, number three, they did not love their lives to the death. How can Satan defeat somebody who doesn't care if they live or die? So focused on their mission to reach the lost, as Paul said, for me to live, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? Is gain. How do you stop a guy like that? He doesn't care. He said, Lord, I, you want me to stick around a little longer? Praise you. I can serve you longer. And if not, I go to glory. It's a win-win situation. And these people are going to be so focused on sharing the gospel with people who are lost. And it doesn't matter if the Antichrist kills them or not. Nothing is going to dissuade them from their ministry. And folks, let me say this to you. This is how we overcome the devil today. Same way, you know, doesn't change. The way you're going to have victory as a Christian, the way you're really going to walk in power is first of all, you recognize that the blood of Christ has completely cleansed you of all sin. I'm not saying you don't sin. I'm saying when you do sin, the blood of Christ continually cleanses you of that. In other words, the devil can't really accuse you. As we said Sunday, you've got to put on the helmet of salvation. You'll never live like a victorious Christian if you're always thinking to yourself because you've blown it so many times that God has rejected you and you're not a Christian anymore. The assurance of your salvation is very important and that you are so focused on your ministry, it's all about sharing Christ, whether it's with your life, which is the primary way, or with your words. You don't lose sight of your mission, the great commission, which has today become the great omission. You'll never feel the power and the joy and the love and all the things God has promised His people. I mean, you'll never feel it more powerfully than when you go out and share your faith with somebody. You can be used by God to share your faith and to see somebody come to Christ. Even if they don't come to Christ, you know what a rush it is to share your faith, right? And we don't do it because we want the rush. But you know what? There's something, you know, as, the, as somebody has said, evangelize or fossilize. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Either you get out there and you, and you share your faith or you're going to dry up spiritually. And they did not love their lives to the death. Well, we don't face death in America yet for preaching Christ, although things may change rather rapidly as we approach the one world government. So we'll have to see. But this is how we still overcome the devil today, by going to the cross every day and living for Jesus. Verse 12, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Yes, three and a half years. Look, Satan comes down to the earth with great wrath. He, he knows his time is short. He's like a, um, a wounded, cornered animal. He knows he's only got a short time left before he is bound and cast into 
the abusa for a thousand years. And then eventually after that into hell forever. So right now, as we, he's thrown out of heaven, he is furious. He's furious. And, you know, somebody might ask the question, well, why doesn't he just give it up? He knows he's defeated. I mean, why not just give it up? Why does he continue on, you know, for the last three and a half years, why doesn't he just surrender? Just, just you know, take the white flag, just give up. You have to understand, Satan is brilliant, and he is beautiful, but he is utterly depraved and probably insane. I'm thinking, personally, that he actually thinks he's still got a shot. I mean, he's so warped in his thinking. His pride has so made him so deranged and probably even insane on some level that he actually thinks he can still go to war with God and win. The beauty of it is, no matter how desperate the situation looks on earth when he comes down with great wrath, we know that he is a defeated foe. He's a defeated foe. You've been listening to Day by Day, the verse-by-verse Bible teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel in Elk Grove Village, Illinois, with Pastor Phil Ballmeyer. Today's message, as well as many other studies, can be heard and downloaded free of charge from our website at daybydayradio.org. From our website, you can contact us, order resources, read Pastor Phil's blog, and also subscribe to our daily podcast. We hope you'll pay us a visit. And remember to join us for Day by Day, Monday through Friday, here on this station. Thanks again for listening, and please join us again next time as we continue to study God's Word. Until then, may the Lord richly bless you and guide your steps as you walk with Him day by day. day, by day.